Podcasting with Kerry Jones. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's podcast. This week's guest hails from Yorkshire and has fished his local rivers since he was a young boy. However, it's the still waters and reservoirs he prefers to be. He started fly fishing at Stocks Reservoir, but nowadays enjoys nothing better than to be afloat on his local lake, Malam Tarn. Many of you will know him for his fly tying at various shows, including the BFFI and the Irish Fly Fair. Welcome to my chat with Stephen Smalley. Hi Stephen, thanks for joining me. Hi Kerry, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How has your season been? My season, Kerry, has been uh, very good. It's been a, um, a busy old year, really. I spent most of my winters, early part of the year, on Barnesville, which is oh, small water, which is it's not an easy place to fish, but you can be rewarded with overwinter fish and that was very good you know through the winter and then obviously with the season opener luckily I was invited to uh, tie at the BFI on uh, Tyres Row which is always great because it kicks the season off you know you catch up with many people throughout that you don't see throughout the year yeah. that was really good really busy enjoyed that and then a lot of the a lot of the early season was, was actually spent down at Drake at a few competitions down there early season which were Individual stuff and then the competition, the, um, the airflow, we, we, along with my teammate, the Ospreys, we did, so we spent a lot of April and May down there, which was really good. Was, you know, nymphy, nymphy fishing, and the water was calm, they were, you were getting them on dries as well, so it was power straight. Of course, the babs and blobs were still working, but, you know, our preference is more nymphy type fishing, which we were doing, which was ace. Um, how did you do the competition? That, we did all right, actually. Um, I can't remember how many teams fished it, but we were third, uh, which which qualified us for the uh, international final at Rutland. So we were, it was uh, mission accomplished, as it were. Well, that's what we were we were going to try and do, and we did. So all right, that was good. Yeah, uh, it was good. Yeah, yeah, it was good fishing too. So and then into June, or I forget actually, I had a couple of trips up to Malham, uh, which was ace. Not somewhere you're going to, you go and catch lots of fish, potentially. It's somewhere you can go and catch. Yeah. I guarantee, but certainly £4 plus. I remember seeing um, the feature you done for the journal on Marlham Tarn. Incredible fishing. Yeah. In fact, another one of my podcast guests loves the lake as well, and you probably know him, is uh, Melvin Wood. I do know Melvin very well. I think that, that's. Is, I think it's his local water as well. He's up by you somewhere, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how the season ended up up there, but I think it, it fished predominantly fairly well. Generally, I mean, it's not an easy place to fish, but the rewards are well worth the effort. Let's put it that way. It's mostly lakes you fish, though, isn't it? Predominantly, yeah. I spend most of my time on lakes, a little bit on the rivers, but not much. But yeah, predominantly on the lakes. When I was talking to you last. You mentioned that your son Callum taking you into the dark side of grayling fishing as well, no? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, so Callum has fished the lakes, but his enjoyment now is he's, he's certainly on the rivers. He, you know, even through the summer when he gets a chance, 
But in the back end, he spent some of his time the grilling and he's done really well. He's had quite a bit of success. And certainly he inspired me to go and uh, go and have a few days out with him, which which have been really good. We've done really well and enjoyed it too. Where is oh, it you fish yeah. up there then for the grilling? So we've, we've a few rivers around us, but predominantly there's the, the Ribble, the Hodder, uh, and the Calder, and we've been spending a bit of time on the Calder and then a bit of time on the Hodder as well. I noticed you've been busy tying that you put a, a photograph on social media of um, a box of flies, grilling flies. They look pretty impressive. There again, that was sort of inspired by, by Carl and what he was doing. I just sort of, uh, took a box together again, so yeah. Early November. Does he fish competition fishing, Callum? Not now. He did. He fished, as a youngster, he fished the youth quite well. He, luckily, he was youth champion in 2012, I think it was. He doesn't seem to be bothered by the competition side of it now. He prefers to take himself off and does his river stuff and enjoys it. You did a lot of it in your time, haven't you? I have done quite a bit of my time. Yeah, it's, I guess that's, that's kind of where it, not where it all started, but, you know, because when we were growing up, we had um, with the Ribble and the Hodder, but we couldn't we couldn't gain much access to it because most of it was was club water, um, and the bit the bits that we could you know the council access bits which which we could get out they weren't the best bits. And at the time, a lot of the clubs weren't really or our local clubs weren't really really interested in young lads joining the clubs. It sort of pushed us towards the still waters. And a lot of my friends in, in this area ended up fishing on on still waters, and we had stopped reservoir was our local water um, and a lot of us ended up going up there and then in the mid late 90s we created a competition team there with both you know local small competitions for the local lads to form small teams and also John Hawes's the uh, Anglian water competition so it, it created a strong competition team locally which a lot of us enjoyed it was something different but it, it was then the the opportunity to go down, you know, if you qualify for one of the matches to either fish on Rutland or or Chew Valley, which then a lot of us here hadn't had that experience. So you know, you got down there and you were fishing with anglers that were locals. So quite often we didn't do that well then, but we, you know, we learnt quick because we had to. It used to be known, didn't it, stocks? He saw stocks some big fish in there. He did, he did, yeah. Um, he didn't put many in, but now and again he, he did. He put some big browns in and some big rainbows. Or two, three pound fish that he stocked that were, you know, I mean, the top of the water sport at, at stocks at the time was, it really was as, as good as anything that there was around, you know, because a lot of terrestrials up there, although it's fallen off. Certainly not as many around as there used to be, but, but the dry fly fishing up there at, at one time was excellent. There was nowhere better at the time. Isn't what what's the river that comes out of stocks then? That's the Hodder. The Hodder, that's the oh, that's the one you've yeah. been fishing, is it? Yeah, that's the river Hodder, yeah. So are you gonna be going into the, the competition scene with the the Greyland? Uh, no, I don't. Just keep that as uh, as pleasure now, I think. Some yeah. of those boys are good on the rivers, I'm not that uh, I'm not that good as, as as good as those boys. I mean I think when you start going down the competition route as well you can potentially spoil it. You start putting pressure on yourself and you need to spend time on rivers that you, you don't necessarily know and you need to get to know, so not not for now anyway. You've got a couple of international caps. I have, yeah. yeah. I was uh, lucky enough to get a couple of Lockstar caps 
uh, one up at Menti, uh, one at Chew. Haven't got there again since, so <laughs> need to shape up for maybe uh, yet another one. Do you fish the trials now, or you just you just haven't had time to do it? No, no, I did. I fished the national last year. I still continue to fish trials, but just um, been a bit un- inconsistent in recent times. How did you do in the internationals you fished? The um, international that we fished in Scotland, we didn't do well. We ended up with a wooden spoon, and then, um, which was uh, actually as much as we did end up with a wooden spoon, it was a real learning curve for me at the time. But then when we went to Chew, we we got the gold. Um, as we oh, nice. were sort of expected to on our our home water, but that that was really good. Really enjoyed that. Yeah. So how did it all start for you? Get into the fishing. It's funny that because none of my family, no anglers in my family at all. Um, but the the village grew up in uh, had a stream, and there was always a good head of small brown trout. And it's, when I'm talking seven, eight, nine years old, we used to go and pop worms, maggots, all kinds. And we'd catch them. We'd put them back. We didn't. We didn't take them. Um, but it's just what we used to do. You strap your rod to your bike, catch a few. We didn't always get them, but and then we'd go. The River Ribble was about a mile, mile and a half from where I lived. So we were lucky enough to have a, a local tackle shop called Ken Berry, uh, which was on the market in in Clitheroe, and we nice. could go in there and get advice advice from Ken, and you know he'd set us up and get us going, and and, that, and that's where it started. We started ledgering on the river, some trout, chub, eels. And it went from there, really. That's where it went from. And then the fly fishing side of it started at, at stocks, really. Break when uh, I got a bit older. I think came back to it in my late 20s, I guess. So a big friend of mine who uh, is called Bob Cooper, and certainly in the you know my early days on stocks, uh, he helped me a lot. And Bob and I still fish together now. We spent so much time on stocks together and then going up and down the country as well, you know, to Scotland, getting on to Graff and Brick, but these other Midlands waters that, you know, that we both enjoyed together. And doesn't he fish for the English disabled team? He's, he's qualified again this year. I think this year will be his 20th cap. So, and, I've, and I've been with him last four or five years. I've been, I've been team manager and helped them, you know, plan, help them get there. Right. Oh, that's right. And the fly. You, you were fishing. You, you were involved in it this year, weren't you? In the summer. I was. Yeah, we were at Benig. Oh, sorry, um, I remember you saying no. In in summer, which was we but it was not well, not, not the easiest, but it, it wasn't hard either. But I think the guys got still, which was got a really strong disabled team. But yeah, Bob's he's been a a great influence. In, um, his, his, his enthusiasm is for all things fly fishing. It's infectious. Whether he, you know, he's fishing with me or he, he fishes in a thing that was at stocks, actually. Um, he's been there for many years. And I can't overstate how much he's, he's helped me over the years, actually. So whenever we go off, when we were travelling back, we'd dissect in the day how it had gone or what, what we probably should have done, areas we should have done, should have tried this, should have tried that. And then usually, as we got nearer home, we'd start planning the next trip, wherever we were going. And, and we still do. We still and, he's, do. and he's still fishing, going strong in his 80s? He still is, yeah. So when did you... Because uh, the first time I met you was in the BFI. Oh, the BFFI. Yeah. Easy to see how, why you were on the tyres row with um, the quality of flies. And I've looked at the pictures on social media and 
So when did the fly tying come in then? Did you actually, as soon as you started fly fishing or did that come later? It came a little bit later. And it came later because I enjoy tying flies. Tying flies most days. Do you? You know, when I get home from, yeah, yeah. When I get home from work and I'll spend an hour, a couple of hours. Or as long as I, I eat until I get fed up and then I'll, I'll go in. But I just enjoy it, yeah. Enjoy it. And it, the variation in patterns at a time now has changed over the years that you know as you do a bit you start expanding on on what you tie i've noticed when i'm looking at um at the photographs and you sent some earlier today as well a lot of your flies are based on wet flies and lock style do you prefer to tie those sort of patterns yeah i think so i think because where where we set off from it was predominantly lake and lock style flies that, that uh, we were tying i mean stocks you know, dabblers, dabblers and bumbles and, and those kind of patterns were successful at stock. You know, we used them a lot. Um, they worked well alongside people fishing blobs and boobies. Um, and that's where we, you know, where I started tying them. Um, we were even using wet fly style boobies way back when. Yeah. Now that they're starting to appear in Ireland and using them for a few years as well, but it's been sort of kept quiet. Dabbler based wet flies, edge based wet flies with booby eyes on. The purists don't like the bit of foam on the front, but they work. Yeah. They really do work. It's been hugely popular, especially the Claret Dabbler with that, um, the foam on the front has been a huge seller in Ireland, I noticed. You wouldn't think it. Very much so, yeah. Do you fish Ireland at all? I fished it once. I'd like to go over more. We have some family in Ireland, um, but time hasn't just allowed up to yet, but I, but I will. But I went over there. Actually, that was with the, the England disabled guys, and we um, lock in right, yeah. one of their disabled in, disabled internationals. Mayfly time as well. Yeah. So it was really good. Really enjoyed it. And you've only, you've just come back as well because you were actually tying as well in the Irish Fly Fair, weren't you? Yeah, it was. It was that was that was really good. I was. It was asked to be to be invited over there by by Stevie Moon and and Daryl Mooney. It was. But what a week uh, this year has been a, or as I understand, it's been a real success. Uh, the buzz around the show was, was great. You know, the anglers coming back and fly tires coming back. And, you know, a lot of the shops and the demonstrators, everything that I heard was, was all positive. So so hopefully, you know, they'll, they'll get it back on for next year. Well worth it, well worth it. It was, it was a brilliant week. You, always, you can always learn. I had a wander around. And looking at some of the other fly dressers who were there, and you can always pick something up. Always, you can always learn something. It was it was nice to see the variation. You know, some of the guys that were over from Iceland and, and Italy. Stefan Larson was over from Sweden, and some of the drives down to size thirty twos. The detail, you know, it's thirty two. No, it's good. Size twelve is my limit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> will you do much in the winter now, or will you wait till next year? A little bit of river fishing this this. Into when when um, river levels will allow, and then we'll spend some time up at um, the Barnes Fold, um, January February, and they've been invited against the um, the BFFI at Stafford February, which I'm really looking forward to. That, that I always look at that as a you know a real season kickoff. Yeah, um, it's a good time of year February then, isn't it? You're keen then, and you're planning the season. Yeah. 
yeah, definitely. And then, and then early March, actually, I'm I'm up at um, Glasgow Angling Centre with the, um, the Partridge team, which will be nice. We're there for three days, so I'm looking forward to that time with the Partridge guys. So we'll be looking then. Ahead, well, we're already looking ahead to the, the airflow team. As far as individuals concerned, Kerry for next year, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. I might, I might, might well give it a miss, isn't it? I don't know what the number of anglers I've spoken to in the last twelve months saying they're going to give the competition scene a miss. That's strange. It's more a time thing, to be honest. September, if you're lucky enough to get through one of the qualifiers, and September uh, becomes really busy. Um, and I want to do a few other things next year as well. So, what would your goal be for next year? Interesting question. That I haven't really set any yet. Um, I tell you what, we have got to look forward to actually. We've got the invitational event in, in May at Rutland, uh, which we qualified when we reached the international final this year. So that that will be a really good event in May. Looking forward to that on Rutland. It's a good time of um, year to fish it, isn't it, Rutland? May. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Well, I, I think, think it's changed. It, I'm not sure the buzzer fishing is as strong as it, as it used to be. Um, it's still there and you still get the hatches, but it's... It's not as I remember when we used to go and, you know, there were big, big black buzzers coming off. Not so sure the hatches are as big as they used to be. Yeah. I've then there's that. a shrimp in there, isn't there? Yeah. I fished it ju- uh, July, I think I fished it, was it June or June I fished it last year, and the year before, June. Yeah. And even though I had fish, I had to work hard for them. But this year, as you said, the shrimp, ah, oh, we didn't need a boat. Most anglers were catching on a bank and they were in inches of water. Yeah, yeah I think they were doing that in May, June, early season last year uh, and then continued throughout the year. But it be interesting to see how that all, all pans out. Well, you're home from work now. Are you going to be tying some flies tonight? Probably will be. Um, got a few more jigs to get in, in, a, in a box, but yeah, we'll probably be, be doing some more. Well, I noticed uh, there was one or two buzzers in the pictures you sent. They were really nice-looking buzzers. That's something I've got to tie up now. I'm short of them. So I'll be on the case later <laughs> on. I'm going to tie a few buzzers. Well, I've enjoyed our chat. The phone line has been going in and out, but we got around it in the end. But there's one more question I want to ask you. Where would you want to be to make your last cast? Well, I'm sure you, you already know, but... Without question, undoubtedly, it would be Malentown. Very special place to me. There's nowhere else that I that I can go and catch quality of fish that you catch on Malum. You know, the area that you're surrounded by, the limestone pavement, it's a very, very special place. And luckily for me, on my doorstep. You need to come up, Kerry. You need to come up and have a look. Definitely. I will be looking forward to that. But cheers, Stephen. Anyway. You take no care. problem, Kerry, and I'll... And I'll be in touch. Nice one. Cheers, Stephen. Bye now. Thanks, Gary. See you later. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more, please consider becoming a Patreon. We will get weekly podcasts and access to over 160 episodes, behind-the-scenes photography to go with each episode, plus other exclusive content. To become a Patreon, visit patreon.com forward slash casting with Kerry Jones or you can find the link on my website castingwithkerryjones.com That's all for now. Tight lines and may they always be up in the wave.